We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, being a husband and a girl dad, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Green Abner Maris Houston, each week wherever you get your podcast. podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays. 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. are live up and running here. It is game day Sunday, October 25th. The Packers play the Texans today, and these are not the normal voices that you would normally hear on a game. Well, one of them is, and I'll get to that here in just a moment. I am your host this evening. I am taking over for Mike Wendlandt, who is celebrating a little too hard after a Wisconsin Badgers victory last night. I have no idea if that's the reason or not. That's just the one I am throwing out there. But I am joined by his usual co-host. I am Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. And I am joined by 
the very only ever that was butchered and terrible sorry gage bridgeford gage how are you today i'm doing good uh jacob glad to be here glad to have you here uh yeah mike is working real life work today so that is why he is unable to be here tyler is doing some i think house shopping maybe and then brennan is uh got nephew family stuff going on so i am the only one that is truly dedicated to the pod today yeah, commitment to the brand, I suppose, is one way to do it. Engage, you are celebrating a rather large victory today. I know you said in the pre-show that you were going to promise not to bring this up, but I hate the Penn State Nittany Lions, so I'm going to let you bring it up on your own. The Indiana Hoosiers are triumphant over the yeah, Nittany Lions are. from Penn State. Yeah, they are. It was a lot closer than it probably should have been. They were up big. They should have kept it. They should have kept their lead. They sat on it. Michael Penix couldn't do anything through the air all day long. He hit, His final touchdown was late in the game. So I'm just glad Green Bay or I'm glad IU came out with the win. Uh it's this is the first uh top ten win under Tom Allen or I think top twenty five win under Tom Allen. IU should have been ranked coming into this game, but they got unranked when the whole Big Ten canceled and stuff. So it was it was cool to watch because I saw a number of close games during my time at IU and IU always played up to their competition but they could never quite get over the hump. So this is a strong start to the year. I don't know that they're going to be able to punch this high all year long, but it's it's going to be a good year for IU football, which is not something that you can say too often. And three is better than two, as they say. So we have somebody here to actually bring some actual value to this podcast and babysit Gage and myself, and that is Janelle Mackey. Janelle, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I suppose you'll go by Jen the rest of this show, but I had to go with the proper name to begin. And this is the first time we've ever done a show together, so it's an honor, and thank you for joining us this evening. Yeah, thanks for waiting almost three and a half minutes to tell everyone that I'm with you guys, but <laughs> it's fine. I'm excited. I blame Gage, and I always say we always save the best for last, so that's why I waited for you to come last on that particular case. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're there. So, guys, we're here. The Packers play the Texans tomorrow. The last time they played Houston was during the run-the-table stretch. It was the Snow Globe. I was there. It was the first game I ever went to with my now wife, and I believe – uh, Janelle, you were there as well, were you not? I was there, yes. I was kind of sitting by the tunnel, if okay. that matters. So opposite the end zone where Jordy had his big touchdown. I, I was like points. as far away as possible, but it was <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so I was in that end zone. I was in the opposite end zone as well. We were uh, in the upper section, the new, the new section that they put mm-hmm. in. Uh, so the seats have the backs on that. I thought that was important for my wife to not hate Lambeau because – she was just my girlfriend at the time, and if she told me she didn't like the stadium, I don't know if we would have ended up together. So, <laughs> Gage, were you there? No, I unfortunately wasn't there. I have been to a number of games in my time. I got to go to the Bills game about 10 years ago, the year that they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Uh, I got to actually touch Aaron Rodgers' shoulder, and I was on 60 Minutes as a result of that because they took the clip of him doing a Lambo leap, and me and my dad were in it. Um, I got to see the game opening against the Saints the following year, though, so that was that game was pretty exciting, and then I've been to a couple others since then, but I unfortunately was not at the Snow Globe game, which apparently everybody on the Pack-A-Day podcast was. <laughs> I, I lived was, in Green Bay at the time, if that matters, so. Yeah, I did not live in Green, Green Bay. I lived several hours away. <laughs> I lived several hours away, and I'm still there, so. Hey, what? hey, I was in Indiana. I have no, there's nothing I can do, okay? I can only go to so many games. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not as dedicated as you guys. Apparently not. So you're dedicated to this podcast, but not to the team that we are podcasting about. I will give you a little. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly what it is. 
I'll give you credit for that Saints game. I was in the end zone of the goal line stand, and that was an absolute freak out by all of us that were there. I was supposed to be much closer to the field. I was in one of the uh, one of the boxes up top. Uh, we we had gotten tickets from a family friend. The family friend made the mistake of mailing them to us, even though we met up with her and rode with her to the game. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. She did that. We found out when we got about 30 minutes from her house that the tickets were sitting in our mailbox at home. My mom, uh, the gracious woman that she is, splashed on a couple of very expensive tickets, uh, had a great time. The game was, obviously, you were there. That game was exciting from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So I got to, I was in the I was in the upper right corner. So like if you're looking at the back of that end zone, the upper left corner from that uh, game was just exciting to watch from start to finish. So yeah, that game was pretty great. And we're already off the rails, so that's a good start, guys. Way to go! Uh, that was the last time the Texans. Yeah. That's okay. That's the last time the Texans came to Green Bay was the Snow Globe game. Uh, the time before that, when Green Bay played Houston, would have been in Houston, and it was the famous Aaron Rodgers. Game, uh, Packers played on Sunday Night Football. The Texans were undefeated at the time. The Packers were coming off a horrendous loss to the Indianapolis Colts. Not a lot of people believed in them or the team on that given night, and they absolutely ripped that Texans team to shreds. Uh, really, from the opening kickoff, they destroyed them that evening. So that's the hope of what we're looking to see tomorrow. It is Aaron Rodgers against Deshaun Watson. Last week, we had a little bit of the old guard, if you will, between Rodgers and, of course, Tom Brady playing for the Tampa Bay Bucks. This week, it could be, I don't want to call it a passing of the torch, if you will, but a little bit of the new generation of the passers. Aaron Rodgers facing off against Deshaun Watson for the first time in his career. Deshaun Watson, maybe the best young passer in the NFL, not named Patrick Mahomes. So that makes the matchup very easy to sell. The Packers having to sell themselves on a new left tackle. Well, maybe not a new left tackle, but at least a different one for tomorrow. David Bakhtiari did not travel with the team, and he is not going to play. And, Janelle, I'll start with you here. How can the Packers overcome that injury, and who do you think plays that position when they line up and play ball tomorrow afternoon? Oh, gosh. So, well, first of all, it – to be blunt, it sucks not having Bakhtiari, but I think it's the safer bet kind of looking down the line. You know, if you can survive this game against – I mean, I don't want to discredit the Texans, but we know what they can look like. So I think if you can get by without him, it's definitely the smart move. Kind of scary knowing that J.J. Watt's on the other side. But I don't know. I kind of feel like they stick with Rick Wagner because that's who went in for him, right? That yeah, that's who played last week. Yep. Yeah, I almost feel like I didn't see him on the field. I saw like the defensive line for Tampa Bay living in the backfield, but I didn't see was Wagner out there? In theory he got in the way okay. of a couple different Okay, days. okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, continue. Continue. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah, I mean, because he was he fill, he was filling in on the right side for Billy Turner earlier in the year, right? Yes. Yeah, so now he moved to the left. I guess I don't know if he's better either or, but he's familiar with the tackle position, so I think it's safe to keep him there. I really don't know if they'll put in, oh gosh, I would totally butcher his name. (laughs) Yeah, him. I really don't know. He's how it's technically pronounced. Yeah, I mean, apparently with the whole Tunyon thing, I don't trust myself pronouncing names correctly anymore, so I don't know. I really, we haven't seen much of him, so I would expect Rick Wagner to come in and just hopefully practice went well this week and hope that he can uh, beat his matchups. 
Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit and Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Okay, so Jen thinks it's going to be Rick Wagner, and Gage, you kind of made your joke as you got it in the way there, so congratulations. We got our cheap shots out of the way early here. Who would you put as to the protector of Aaron Rodgers' blind side? I put Elton Jenkins out there. Um, I think that Elton Jenkins is probably the second or third best lineman on this entire Packers offensive line. If it's not him, it's Corey Lindsley, and then uh, Elton's third there. And I think Elton, the only spot he hasn't played is left tackle, but I just I have confidence in him filling in that spot. And I think the Green Bay has much better interior offensive line depth than they have tackle depth. We had Rick Wagner, we have Billy Turner, but Wagner just looked, to put it bluntly, lost. He There was multiple plays where he didn't even get a hand on rushers. I understand that Todd Bowles dialed up some great blitzes and had just great pressures coming at him, but Wagner wasn't even getting a hand on people. He was literally just standing there and watching guys go on either side of him, and I'm like, what in the hell is happening here? I, Andrew Thomas, who has been arguably the worst tackle in football this year, is at least touching guys. Wagner, I think he's going to be better. I I honestly, I advocated for him to start at right tackle this year all offseason because I'm like, we just spent all this money on him. He should be the starter. If anything, you want to keep Elton at left, at left guard. You don't want to change those interior positions. Maybe you kick Billy Turner over to left tackle. He's got some starting experience at that spot. You put Wagner in at right tackle, but I don't know. I think that I think Elton's the one that ends up out there just because they've kept Wagner on the bench. They have pretty, been pretty confident in Lucas Patrick, and I think that is it. John Runyon would be the guy slotting in at the left guard spot. I have some confidence in John Runyon there, especially with. The fact that the Texans have had taken a hit to their anterior defensive line with DJ Reader going to Cincy, I think that Corey Lindsley and uh, Lucas Patrick would maybe be able to hold up inside a little bit better, even though Jenkins would be out. So, personally, I'd like to see Jenkins out there. I just think he's a really talented player, and I think he could hold up at least for the week with uh, Divock out. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options. None of them are great, right? I mean, anytime you're playing your backup left tackle, that's that's yeah, not a great not option. Good. You have. can't replace the number one left tackle in football with your backup and think, eh, there's no drop-off there. There's going to be drop-off. Right, and I'm very staunch in this belief that there's no such thing or very little such thing as tackle depth, like you mentioned, Gage, in the NFL. It's very rare that a team can lose a starting tackle and just plug it. There aren't 32 starting caliber left, and so 64 cali- starting caliber tackles in the NFL, let alone a team to have a backup. The Packers are very fortunate from the standpoint that when Billy Turner was hurt, that Rick Wagner was able to step in and play right tackle at the level that he was. I think they're going to put Rick Wagner at left tackle just because it's the least amount of movement 
between all the offensive linemen, like you mentioned, then you're not displacing a bunch of dudes to move them all around on the offensive line like that. I would probably be okay with putting Jenkins out there, but like I said, I don't think any of these options are great. The hope that you have is that this Bakhtiari injury is a one-week thing and that he's back and ready when they take on Minnesota next week at home or at the bare minimum when they take on the 49ers that Thursday night right after they play Minnesota because really, if he's going to miss two games, these are kind of the two games on the schedule you're okay with. I know Jen mentioned J.J. Watt, but other than that, the Texans' pass rush Whitney Merciless is okay, but they don't have – it's not like they're facing last week's front where the Bucks have guys that can run from all over the place. This Texans defense is absolutely rancid from front to back and side to side. They just don't have a lot of good players on it. There's not a lot of good going on. They gave up 200 yards rushing last week and 300 yards passing. The Titans really could have just kind of thrown a dart in their playbook, and whatever they would have picked is what would have been successful. And honestly, they could have done whatever they wanted against that defense. So I don't know – what they're going to do. I do know that Matt LaFleur has basically said they want to play their five best guys on the offensive line. And I think that means Rick Wagner, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Lucas Patrick. So you'll see some combination of that tomorrow. However yeah, that I, works, yeah. remains I think if they do best five, that that five makes sense. Yeah, well, and I don't know. Corey I mean, Lindsley also was on the injury report, but he was full practice Friday with back injury, I believe it was. So... Hopefully that doesn't kind yeah. of pop yeah. up in the middle of the game because to lose your left tackle and your center would be the worst, <laughs> right? The least, right? And then then you're talking about displacing another player because then Lucas Patrick has to play center and John Runyon does have to play if that's the case. I mean they've they made some moves to add some offensive line depth, but we're talking about warm bodies at this point. You're not talking about quote unquote quality at this point in the season. The other injury that's going to gather a lot of eyeballs is David Bakhtiari was one we kind of knew probably as soon as Wednesday. It was unlikely he was going to play. Typically, if a player doesn't practice on Wednesday, we all as fans have a pretty good idea that they're not going to play later in the week because it's very un- it hasn't happened often where a player hasn't practiced Wednesday and then has practiced later in the week. Usually if they don't practice Wednesday, they're not going to go. Aaron Jones was a player. He hurt his calf in practice on Thursday, didn't practice Friday, and is listed as questionable. Ryan Wood reported that the plan is to not push him and to give bigger roles to Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. They had a elevation of Dexter Williams in from the practice squad, and that's as depth, and that kind of helps you read some tea leaves here, that Aaron Jones is going to be inactive. Gage, let's start with you. What are your thoughts on this backfield if Aaron Jones can't go and the offense as a whole? Because really – other than Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones is their next best offensive weapon. How do they survive without 33 being able to make an impact in the running and the passing game? Also uh, notable that – sorry, I'm going to jump in. Also notable, right. I think Irvin is listed as out, too, for yep, tomorrow. Tyler Irvin's yeah. out, too. Yep. In practice at all. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's a big thing to mention because when Irvin was out last week, Aaron Jones was the guy that they kind of used on those jet sweep motion just to try and get the defense, like, to focus on the eye candy and – I don't know who they're going to put in that role. Maybe Darius Shepard, Malik Taylor, one of those guys. So that'll be Equinemius St. Brown. There's my that's recommendation. That's Whatever recommendation. that's worth for those people. All right. Maybe. I don't know if that – I don't. I mean, that was my recommendation for him last week, and they completely ignored it. So yeah. oh, that's well, okay. I mean, and they've now had another week to kind of uh, install and get him more up to speed with the offense. So that's a very big possibility. It, just, it needs to be an athlete. And granted, that's all Green Bay has at the wide receiver position is a bunch of athletes. So 
they could honestly put him, MBS, or Malik, any one of those guys could hypothetically fill that role of doing a little bit of everything, doing those motions. But focusing on the running backs here, this isn't an, this isn't saying Aaron Jones isn't good. This is saying that they are. This is the exact reason you draft AJ Dillon. Is okay. Aaron Jones is down. That's fine. We have two guys who Jamal Williams would be a starter for teams like Washington. I think that he would be a starter in Jacksonville. I think that he could push to start in LA, like with the Rams. So I think that this is what. And now you have AJ Dillon backing him up. Who AJ Dillon is an absolute hammer at 250 pounds. He's just he is. Not of this earth. Him and Derrick Henry are a species that landed here and have are just going to bully everybody they come across. So I want to see Green Bay really smash Houston in the mouth with these two guys. Jamal Williams is a—they're both straight line runners. That's their focus. They don't get him going to the edge. Don't go side to side. Just run right at him. Take Corey Lindsley and Elton Jenkins if Wagner's at the left tackle position. Fine run off left guard or in between your left guard and center spots all game long and just bully the hell out of these Houston linebackers. If you last week for the Texans. It did. Derrick Henry had 200-plus rushing yards by himself. Get to that second level. Get to that third level. If you get to A.J. Dillon to the third level, there ain't a safety taking him down, man. About There's only a couple safeties in, the, in football. Like Jamal Adams is maybe one, and there's not a whole lot of guys that I think if A.J. Dillon meets him on that third level, they're, they're not taking him down. You're just not going to like to do it, especially in the fourth quarter. I understand they're not going to feed A.J. Dillon tar- touches. They said that. I think they saw that same report you did earlier where A.J. Dillon only really got touches because they were up so big last week. But get in the ball. You spent a second-round pick on the guy. Aaron Jones, your leading guy, is out. Run, run the ball hard and come out with a win. At the end of the day, the best way to win is by getting your best playmakers the ball. Devonta Adams is great, but you have Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon, who are great playmakers in their own right. Just get them the ball and make, let, don't make plays happen. AJ Dillon's best run last week was for what 20, 20 plus yards, mm-hmm. and it was his one of like three touches on the game. I want to see. I think that it's going to be a like Ed Jamal is going to get the majority of the touches, especially because he's a better receiving back and he's better a, a better pass blocker right now. But I think A.J. Dillon should see at least 10 to 12 carries in this game. Jamal should see somewhere between 15 to 18, plus some receiving work. That's just what my opinion is. Janelle, what are you thinking here? Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment, or an overbearing parent screaming words of wisdom from the stands, fewer than 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Whether it be 30 years of Hall of Fame QB play in Green Bay, or 30 years of quarterback torture in Chicago, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for watching football. Yeah, I mean, obviously, huge bummer, Aaron Jones. He does so much for this offense now that he can also catch the ball. You know, I remember saying a few years ago, if he can learn to catch, he's going to be a serious threat. And he obviously listened to me. So, um, but with Adams back, that's a little less <laughs> concerning. Cause... That was all Janelle, folks. That was not Coach. Yes, they're all welcome. I tried to find. Guy. That was just Janelle Mackey. <laughs> So Chris I Cabot, you're you're Aaron Jones's agent. I want some royalties to go to Ms. Mackey when Jones gets his contract. <laughs> I dug so hard for the tweet, I could not find it. I know I put it out there somewhere in the world. So if you find it, yes, I have the receipts somewhere. I just can't find them. But um, I think with having Adams back, 
it's less concerning that he'll have to go out there and make those spectacular catches as a running back. And Williams actually has shown that he can do that as well. So I think he is a huge tool in this tool belt. And Jones being out, yeah, it, it's a bummer. But I think Jamal Williams has shown that he he can carry his own back there. And, yeah, I would love to see A.J. Dillon get more involved, especially on some short yardage plays where he can just kind of plow through. Um, I think – it's more of a bummer because I feel like they're similar run styles. So sometimes if Aaron Jones, if his run style doesn't work, Williams will have a big game, vice versa. So maybe we'll see that this week. Maybe we won't. I'm not 100% sure on what the front seven for uh, Houston looks like in that regards. But I think this is definitely a day to get the run game involved. And also, if they want to get the pass game involved, like more power to them. But I think that this front seven isn't anything too scary. And I think this could be the day where we see more of what A.J. Dillon can do. Utilize Aaron Jones being out and see what A.J. Dillon can do for this team. And this is kind of twofold for me. Like last week when I was watching them play Tampa Bay, I kept saying, you know, the East-West stuff's not going to work against linebackers that fast. I don't think it's coincidental, Gage. You brought up the two best runs they had last week. Hat on a hat, run downhill. Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, 25-yard run, 23-yard run, respectively, between those two guys. This is kind of, it's a much worse defense, so don't get me wrong on that, but kind of a practice, if you will, for what's, I think, going to work against Tampa Bay in an eventual possible rematch between those two teams, should the Packers and Bucks meet up in the playoffs, is running the ball down their throat. And that's how the Packers are going to have to run the ball because they don't have that side-to-side electric speed. Jamal Williams is at his best running downhill. The same goes for A.J. Dillon, and they're going to have to run differently that way and play downhill as opposed to kind of finessing, if you will, in the run game. The good news is the Texans aren't good at stopping any kind of run game, and last week Derrick Henry is very much the definition of a downhill runner. Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, both of those guys I think can have as good of a day as you can hope for. I'm with both of you. Pound the rock. You can run the ball 30 times tomorrow, and I think don't worry about style points. Don't worry about any of that nonsense. Get out of Houston with a win. Get some of your guys back and get ready for this stretch run because they have to play 11 more games before they get to just even get to the chance to even play for the postseason. Get some of those guys back. Start banking some of these wins. This is one of those games you have to win. And on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to have to keep pace because Deshaun Watson, even without DeAndre Hopkins, and I know that's become a bit of a running joke, they're going to score points. They've got Brandon Cooks. They've got Will Fuller. They've got our old friend in Randall Cobb. They've got some players on that side of the ball that can absolutely do some things. You're going to have to score points. And maybe the best way to do that is to keep the ball out of Deshaun Watts' hands. How do you do that? Again, pound the rock. And that protects your quarterback as well, who's playing with an uncertain left tackle situation. Gage, you gave me the betting lines here. The Packers are minus 3.5 and and an over-under of 57. What are your takes on this line right now? Me, I know... Team Degenerate, which is who I follow, and that is Mr. Matt Bove. You can follow him at mbo 500 I follow him for all of my sports betting advice. And he basically tells me whenever you see a road favorite like that, essentially, in most cases, avoid it like the plague. And I think that this was a line that was set when the Packers weren't sure if they were going to have – or well, they were sure they were going to have Aaron Jones at the time. They don't now. They don't have David Bakhtiari, and this Texans team, I mean, I have this game, and you'll get to my score prediction later, but I have this game as a three-point game, and the Packers are on the road. So I wouldn't bet on it if I were betting, but I certainly would bet the Texans if I were betting. How do you see this? Oh Yeah, I'm not touching the line here. I don't like it at all. Uh, three and a half. If Aaron Jones is playing, D-Bach is playing, 
I'm taking it all day. But I don't I don't like this line. I think that Green Bay is a better team overall, but D-Box out. Aaron Jones is out. We didn't even touch on Darnell Savage, who is unexpected to play. Kevin King's expected to miss the game for his second straight week. So you got half your starting secondary is gone. You're missing your starting left tackle, and you're missing your second-best offensive weapon, not named Aaron Rodgers. This is just – it's not a good matchup for for uh, Green Bay to win big here. Uh, and I, I don't even like the under either. I think that if you're Green Bay here, you just try and run the clock. You run the clock hard. We talked about it. That's how you're going to do well is with having the running backs play, and you're going to keep it keep it. You're going to make the clock run constantly. Not a lot of incompletions. Not a lot of shooting for big plays. We know Aaron Rodgers loves the deep shot. He'll take one or two per game, but just run the clock. Keep Deshaun Watson on the sideline. Wear this defense out, and you're going to have a good day. Uh, I'm take. I'm not touching the line if I have to. I'm taking Houston to cover, uh, and if I'm taking over unders here at 57, I'm taking the under. If the offensive pieces were active, I'm taking the over. But just there's too many injuries for Green Bay for me to feel confident in taking taking the over here. And I think that they're going to be able to keep Houston in check somewhat to where I don't think the over end up, ends up hitting here. And so I'm going under Houston to cover. Uh, if I'm doing money line betting, which uh, for Janelle, who is not a super huge betting person, that just means who do I think is going to win outright, I'm taking Green Bay on the money line. Green Bay on the money line it is. So that's interesting. And we'll get to why we think they'll win and lose. So, guys, let's start. If Green Bay wins tomorrow, they get to 5-1. and one. And that's huge going down the stretch of the season because, like I've mentioned, they play 11 games in a row, 12 games in a row, including last week. They have some tough games coming up, obviously. San Francisco has won. Tennessee has won at home late in the season. Indianapolis has a really good defense. That's a road game that could be tough. Chicago twice yet still. Banking these wins is going to be important. If Green Bay wins this game, Jen, it's because of what? If they win this game, it's because, gosh, there's so many. I think if Aaron Rodgers gets the protection he needs, I think that's going to be the biggest part. Um, If this offensive line can step up without Bakhtiari, because that was the biggest problem, I think, last week, aside from the defense, which I'm not going to spend half an hour talking about that, which I could. But I think keeping Rodgers untouched is so important. I felt like he was on the ground after every single ball last week, so – If you give him time, I think, aside from we talked about really wanting to pound the ball up the middle with the running backs, but I want him to have the time to get to these receivers and um, play the air game too. So I think if Rodgers has time behind the line, I think that's going to be a huge factor in how they can win this game. And I think it's, like you said, almost making Aaron Rodgers a caretaker and taking the ball not necessarily out of his hands because he's a dynamic playmaker, and that's something that you always want at the quarterback position. But I think if Green Bay can establish Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon and just control the line of scrimmage and ram the ball down Houston's throat, I think that you can have a game very similar. If you guys go back and remember the Minnesota game, Green Bay had nearly a 2-1 to advantage in the time of possession. The reason that the score got as high as it did is because Green Bay had to keep scoring to kind of keep pace with what Minnesota was doing on the other side as well. But it's one of those games that Green Bay had the ball for as long as they did. They were a possession passing team. They had the one deep shot to Valdez Scantling. They hit one deep ball. A couple. They hit a couple deep balls, but it really wasn't the second half. For the first half, it really was possess the ball, control the clock, and it really was a two to one type of possession advantage. I don't know if it'll be that. I do know Houston's coming into this game off of an overtime game where they got beat up by Derrick Henry and that physical Titans offensive line. They didn't get a ton of pressure on Ryan Tannehill even after Taylor Lewan left the game. 
I really do think this game is as simple as play a little old school football, give that ball to number 30. When he gets tired, give it to number 28. Let Rodgers make a couple plays. Give him some protection like Jen was just talking about. Hit Devontae Adams for some third downs. Find Robert Tunyon, which apparently that's his name. I didn't know that for three years, and that's insane to me. But that's well, none of us do it, so you're not alone. We were all just as stunned as you were. That Correct. one's not our fault. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I would like to think not, at least. Uh, but I think that convert a few third downs, possess the ball, and then on defense, keep the game in front of you. I know that's like Mike Pettin's M.O., and that's kind of frustrating for some Packers fans, obviously, but keep the game in front of you. Don't let that Texans offense start feeling themselves. Then you can continue to possess the ball. Watson will give you a couple. He'll make a couple mistakes as good as he is, and you can have a chance to have some chance to rush the passer and get home against this Texans offensive line too. So really, it's old school, and I think that's going to be something that makes my friends like Owen Reese very, very happy to pound the rock and play some solid defense and win this kind of game. Gage, if Green Bay wins, why is it? Uh, so just to kind of give some variance away from you guys, I'm going to the defensive side of the ball. I want this Green Bay defense to be aggressive. I've been preaching it all week. I've been, I know everyone on Twitter has been talking about it. We saw Kenny Clark and Montrevious Adams dropping back into coverage. I don't want that. The weakness, one of the biggest weaknesses of this Houston team is their offensive line. Laramie Tunsil is outstanding. He blocked two different guys by himself last week. It was incredible. But the rest of the offensive line is very suspect. Green Bay has pass rushers, Z, Preston, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary. They have guys that can rush the passer and can get presence uh, pressure on Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, one of the biggest critiques you have on him, he's taking a lot of sacks. But And most people just chalk it up to a bad offensive line. Well, that's somewhat true. The guy stands in the pocket. He doesn't move. Like, he can run. That's not – don't get me wrong. He's a great athlete. He can escape the pocket. And he's had, I think he had a 50-plus yard touchdown run last year. But he loves to stand in the pocket. He loves to stay there and wait, similar to how Rodgers loves to extend, like wait on a play, wait for those big shots to develop. Just go after him. Go after him. Let Jair play close to the line of scrimmage and really get into the jersey of Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and these other Houston receivers. Get aggressive and really make – force Deshaun Watson to get rid of the ball before he's ready to do so. You have press corners all over this roster. You have pressure guys on this team. Our, Houston's going to go for big shots, two guys like Will Fuller, but guess what? Jair can run with Will Fuller. He can run with Brandon Cooks. So if he gets, like, so if you are going after Deshaun and keeping him in the, keeping him in the pocket, that's the big thing. Don't, don't pressure all up the middle and break contain because Watson's going to outrun your linebackers. Just push up the field, get after him, and force him to get rid of the ball before he's comfortable. It's something that this Green Bay defense hasn't done this year. They're not just generating pressure super rapidly, and it's I don't I don't like seeing it. On the offensive side of the ball, really quick, I want, if you're throwing the ball with Aaron Rodgers, this is something that they did against Chicago, not last year, but the year before, that comeback in the very first game. Rodgers was, came back from his injury, and he was getting the ball out just rapid fire. I love seeing it. It's something that this offense doesn't do. I understand Rodgers likes to wait for the deep shot. But with a guy like Devontae Adams who cannot be jammed at the line of scrimmage, get the ball out of Rodgers' hands and let your guys make plays. Just get it moving. Because guess what? If you have a suspect left tackle, you know how you neutralize a pass rush? You do what Tom Brady and the Buccaneers did last week. Get the ball out of your quarterback's hands. You you cannot be sacked if you don't have the ball in your hands. It's magical, I know. Right? Really game-breaking stuff. So... For the offense, if you're like, I want to see him run it down the throat, just like you said, Jacob. But if you're going to throw it, get the ball out quick. Get the ball out quick. Wear this defense out. 
And on defense, get pressure on Watson. Don't let him sit back in the pocket and t- pick you apart. I think Second. it is notable to uh, talk about, I think both Smith Bros and Adams were on injury report this week, both listed as questionable, and Lancaster is out. Uh, Z is actually off the – he's not listed. He has no designation for the game. Quite Preston mm-hmm. is still listed, listed as questionable, though. And then, yeah, you, like you said, Lancaster is out. But, yeah, Z was limited all three days, but per his, like, final game status, it says he has no designation. So he's active. Preston's questionable. I think he ends up playing anyway, but Z is Z is off the report. Mike gets some of those too. questionable as well. Yes, he did not participate on Friday. So hopefully they can still get pressure, even though kind of a rough week for the defensive line. Might get him to get some of those snaps for Preston Smith to Rashawn Gary, which I'm kind of hoping they trend towards anyways. If Preston's not going to win his one-on-ones, then I might want to see the more high upside type defender anyways. Guys, usually we go into, or well, Gage, usually you guys go into Green Bay loses because of X, but something else I wanted to talk about was Alan Lazard is out and Aaron Jones is not very unlikely to play tomorrow. And Robert Tanyan is listed as questionable. Or, Robert Tanyan, come on. Robert Tanyan. Yeah, I knew Tanyan. it was going to happen too. I haven't done it since I found out that was the first time, so uh, I blame Gage. Um, That's fair. Uh, blame me for everything. That's fine. All right, so Gage, you're a good sport. I appreciate that. So oh, Robert yeah. Tunyon is not going to play, or excuse me, is questionable as to whether or not he'll play. If he's unable to go or if he's limited, let's just go that route. If he's limited or unable to play, who do you guys see as somebody that could potentially step up and be that second pass catcher? Because obviously we know Devontae Adams rolls out of bed and he's the hot hand. Who is somebody that you guys see as being that second person? Because really since Lazard has left, They've kind of even when Lazard was active, they kind of did it by committee through the first what five games of the season. It was somebody different. Well, even when Adams was active, you know, it was it was him and then a few other guys after that. They've been it's been a different person every week. So, Jen, who's somebody you think can step up as that second pass catcher after Adams if Jones can't go, which we're seeming is likely, and if Tunyon is limited? I mean, I feel like it's a little unfair because I have some bias because I watched your show earlier, your Pack the Pulse, but I am really still waiting for that Sternberger breakout game. You know, he's repping the 87, so I'm waiting for a huge (laughs) game from him. And, I mean, it's National Tight End Day, so, you know, it kind of, like, the magic is all there for him to have a big game. And I know Rodgers is a huge fan of the tight ends because I know, like, I always refer back to when Jordy got hurt. Like, who was his target? Richard Rodgers. So he doesn't mind throwing to those guys. You see all the targets he's had over the years. And, yeah, he's had great receiving core, but the tight ends really do a lot for him. And Mercedes Lewis, he he's good for a, a few plays, but he's not he's not the big breakout guy. He's not going to go have 100 yards and two touchdowns. It's just not his style. So I would love to see Sternberger finally get his name out there. You know, he had that one rough game earlier in the year with the drops and I just want to see him get in the end zone and start celebrating and really kind of um, establish himself in this Packers offense. Yeah, I agree. And you're a good friend for watching my show earlier. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's a, I tweeted this earlier in the week and everybody just kind of jumped in and was like, Oh yeah, I feel like you said that every game this season It's like, I didn't say I was going to put him in the hall of fame and he was going to have 10 catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns. Nice. All I said was it'd be nice. I, I'm not going to argue against it, but All I said was he has a great opportunity to do something like that. And he has an opportunity to play if Tunyon is limited. Obviously, Josiah DeGuara is not able to play. 
John Lovett is eh, not quite a tight end, not quite a fullback, so they're not going to look to him. He could be have an opportunity to make some plays for this team. That's all I think. And great moments are born from great opportunity. There's your hockey quote there, Jen. So you're welcome. Yeah. That's like one of one of like three I know. So great moments born from great opportunity. Jay Sternberger has potential to have a great opportunity. I think he could be the one. Ultimately, my pick to click, if you will, is Jamal Williams because he's shown his ability as a pass catcher, both in the short game and down the field. They hit a whole shot against Atlanta with him being a cover two beater as a downfield receiver. There's plays on film of him beating cornerbacks down the field for what could have been like deep post type touchdowns. I don't know if that's going to happen tomorrow necessarily, but I think it's something where this game's going to be very quote unquote boring from a passing game standpoint, because he's going to have to Tom Brady it, so to speak, dink and dunk it, get the ball out of his hands quick, like Gage mentioned. So that's what I think on that. Gage, who's your guy to pick here for somebody to step up as wide receiver or pass catcher number two? Jake, you're messed up for making me go last because Jamal Williams was going to be my choice. And Jen already took Jace, so I'm not going to take Jace because that'd just be a cop out. You are welcome to agree with one of us. No, you know that, right? no, that's, okay. no, that's no, that's no fun. That's no fun because then it just sounds like I don't have my own opinion here. I'm going with MVS. Here's why. Houston's bat it has a terrible secondary. Teams have been trying to shut down MBS by bracketing him and constantly getting help over the top for good reason. The guy's like 6'4 with 4'3 speed. He's nuts. He's a great athlete. Rodgers is taking shots to him, and they're right there. They're right there. He had the one last week where if he just lays out for it, he's got a strong chance of catching it, and everybody crucified him on Twitter for it. Not going to say it was rightfully so or not. It was rightfully so. But Rodgers is taking those shots to him. They're going to hit. They're going to hit. MBS is a talented receiver. He's made those plays before. I think that he has the potential to fit to fill that Tyler Irvin role of hitting those jet sweep, sweep that jet sweep motion. Get him the ball close to the line of scrimmage, and let's see Zach Cunningham try and run with him. Spoiler alert: He can't. These linebackers, <laughs> linebackers aren't going to stop MBS when he's going going across the line of scrimmage. Get get him the ball. Get your playmakers the ball. You said dink and dunk. Fun fact: the yards count the same way if you dink mm-hmm. and dunk and get him, or you get him at sixty at a time. I don't care how they get the how they move the ball. At the end of the day, points are points. Doesn't matter how you got there. So I think it's MBS is the guy. They've they've wanted to make him the guy, like the second guy opposite opposite uh, Adams for the last two years. Alan Lazard kind of took that role. That's fine. MBS is a talented player. We've seen the flashes of him being able to make those big plays, and he can do it in a multitude of ways. All you got to do is get him the ball. Stop trying to throw the ball to him and make his average depth of target 40 yards. Make his average depth, average depth of target five yards and see what he can do. Just get him the ball in space and let him make a play. So that's who I think can be the guy because there's not a linebacker. On, Zach Cunningham is a good linebacker, but he's not a good coverage linebacker. And the other two guys, they're, you, you're, not, you're not afraid of them at all. So I think it's MBS is the guy. I would have said Jamal Williams if you had let me go second. You obviously didn't, so... So I think that MBS has the potential to have a big day. Granted, Devontae Adams is going to cook whoever he's covered by anyway, so I think he's going to have 10-plus catches and 150 yards. So big day out of Devontae. I just want to point out, you allowed me to host the show, so this is I allowed your you to fault. host, and I thank, I thank you for being here. I thank both of you for being here today. <laughs> I was going to say he's regretting it every second of the way now. So, okay, I, I went rogue Regret there. Is growing. Regret is I, growing. <laughs> I respect it. If Green Bay loses, Gage, I'll let you go first since you're going to whine about it. Why? Wow. Uh, if Green Bay loses, it's because they can't float on the offense. Uh, 
that was like I don't think that the defense scares me that much. JJ Watt is playing like he's five years younger, which is fantastic. Uh, like he's not on Green Bay, and I'm not a huge Wisconsin fan. I know that's going to be kind of taboo for this pod, but I'm not a Wisconsin guy. Not here, I, it's not. I root for Wisconsin when they're not playing IU, but but he's a great story. Uh, I love everything JJ's done for not just in the NFL, but outside of it with everything he did when there was the Houston hurricane issue and everything else. So, and I love the way that he supports his wife. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but everything, all those back and forth that he has like with that. Uh, or something, something like all, okay. Yeah. All the stuff that he has saying, no, she's not my wife. She is this. She is a player in her own right. It's awesome to see from, uh, from my perspective. So that's great. But, I don't. I don't really fear anybody on this defense too much. I think it's Deshaun hits those big plays to Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, who's had a great last couple of weeks. Randall Cobb has a great game. I think that that's what's gonna. That's the way they lose that. And then if they can build a lead, and then David Johnson can have a vintage David Johnson game, which I don't really think that's gonna happen. But that's how you would lose: is they hit one or two big shots, and then David Johnson just runs the clock out on you. I can't picture that I mean with all I know the Packers I can't either but I have to I have to I have to say this is how I think it would happen sure I I mean I know that it's I'm not saying like the Packers have like Gilbert Brown and Grady Jackson in the middle of their defense to where they could just stuff any team's running game but David Johnson's like 90 years old and running back years and he's been washed up for the last three so I just I say that now go ahead CC old takes exposed that's fine I'm sure he'll run for 200 tomorrow but I just can't picture that. So I'm with you. If Green Bay loses, I think it's just because it's one of those games. It's a shootout. The Packers can't protect. J.J. Watt is going to get his 100th sack of his career against the Packers. That is a storybook reasoning, a storybook thing. And then a year from now, maybe two, he'll sign his Julius Peppers contract and come play and finish his career in Green Bay, and we'll all love it. But for now, he's a Texan, and he's going to get his 100th sack against Green Bay tomorrow. But I think it's just it'll be one of those the Packers punt, or maybe turn the ball over uncharacteristically again one too many times against an offense that they just can't slow down. I'm right there with you. Jen, you got any variety here? Well, I'm going to complain like Gage did going last. So <laughs> my like literally the only thing I could think of all week is uh, specifically Houston's receivers, um, especially against our kind of dinged up players like with no King and uh, Savage being doubtful. You you look at who Houston has in uh like Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, of course Randall Cobb, who breaks my heart every time I talk about him, Kiki Cutie. I mean, every time I think about this receiving core, I just think speed, and I just the the only thing I can think of is just getting burned by these receivers. And Watson, he's a great run, uh, he's a great quarterback and a mobile quarterback, which also is an X factor there trying to cover the mobile quarterback is a little little scary, but these receivers in particular definitely, definitely scare me, um, especially with King and Savage being pro- like probably out. So, um, yeah, also I guess I'll transition into just the Watson, you know, how often do the Packers play well against a mobile quarterback? Very rarely, right? <laughs> We don't need to bring it up. I mean, I'm st- I still have nightmares from the San Francisco playoff games. and Don't even like bring that, that up. Don't, oh, don't I, even I, bring like, it up. The I'll tell you guys, is out those memories, okay? Yeah, I'll tell I, you guys a story off air about the uh, freezer bowl game that we had in, in Green Bay. So that's uh, not one of my more fond memories. So real quick, guys, just like 
three words or less. Let's exclude Jamal Williams because that's an easy one. But who's a player? The Packers have some injury guy or injured guys. Who's somebody that you think steps up in place of those injured guys? So you mentioned Darnell Savage, Kevin King, Montrevious Adams is injured. Who's like a next man up that you think could be somebody who steps in and has maybe a big play or something to tilt the scales in their favor? And I'll go last this time around since that's been a thing. And Jen, I'll let you go first. Oh, gosh. I didn't want to go first for this one. Okay. I'll go over to put you on the spot. I would say, Gage, I'll let you go first since I put you guys on the spot with this one. Josh Jackson. Still holding on to that one, huh? I'm holding on to it, and here's why. I'll go ahead and I'll stall a little longer so that way Jen has some time to come up with something. Josh Jackson showed something in the run game last week. He did. He struggled, struggled in coverage. I get that. But in the run game, he showed something. He was crashing downhill. In the very first possession of the game, he made a stop that flipped the possession, gave Green Bay the ball back. They went down and scored a touchdown. It's those plays that get you on the field. Being willing as a cornerback to go and make a play in the run game. being go, Going in and going after those guys and making those plays. Those are the ones that get you on the field. It's not the... It's not the pass breakup. Like, that's that's good, but you have to be going willing to go and do the dirty work. Because Jair, fun fact, doesn't get a lot of pass breakups. Why? He doesn't get thrown at because he's mm-hmm. so damn good. If you're going to be on the field, you have to be willing to go and do everything. There's a there's a phrase I had at a job. DFW, down for whatever. Do everything. Do everything you can to get yourself on the field. Everyone wants to say, Josh Jackson isn't it. He's not going to be it. He can't. It was a waste of a pick, yada, yada, yada. I think you're reading my tweets from last week. <laughs> I'm reading everybody's tweets. There was a lot of negative content. I think you literally just quoted one of my tweets word for word. It's fine. <laughs> you said yada, yada, yada. You might have. I'll have to go back and look. But just get, And also, this also plays into the way I want Mike Patton to play defense. Play aggressive. Josh Jackson is a big physical corner. Let him be a big physical corner. Let him get up on whoever their their outside corner is going to be. It's not going to be he's not going to be on Will Fuller cuz he just doesn't quite have the speed. Like he's got good speed but he doesn't quite have that speed. So if it's Brandon Cooks or Brandon Cobb, let him go up and get in that guy's jersey. Let, this guy is 6 foot tall. He can body up any receiver he that he's going to be matched up against this with this week. You let him get physical at the line of scrimmage and the pass rush can just generate some pressure. He's going to have a good game. The problem is when he's forced to try and play off coverage and play zones. and Just don't do that. Let him play simple man cover football. I understand that zone coverage is better for scheme because guys don't have to just stick with a guy and they don't get burned because of one double move or whatever, but I hate it. I love man coverage. Get physical. Get up. Body these receivers and watch Josh Jackson flourish. Here's what, when Josh, If Josh Jackson leaves – and goes to a man cover scheme, he has the potential to be a really special player just because of the tools that he has. I think he's being misused here in Green Bay. Similar to how Demarius Randall, Demarius Randall has kind of struggled a little bit, bounced around a couple of yeah, places. Demar- but, no, 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 no. Demarius Randall is actually bad. Like, but but what I'm getting good. at is he's being, but what I'm saying is in Green Bay, he was misused. You tried to take a safety and make him a corner rather than just letting him be a safety and being bad as a safety. To be fair, Gage, he was good as a corner his rookie season. Yeah, so was Quinn Rollins. Your point? Yeah. I'm just I mean, I'm just saying he was good as a corner his rookie season. He hasn't been good. He had a half good season in Cleveland. Maybe he's just bad. Maybe so, but what he was miscast. Let if guy's gonna be bad, let him be bad at his spot. Let Josh Jackson be bad as a man cover press corner. Don't let him be bad as a zone corner and then be like, Oh, he's a bust. No. Let him do what he's good at. 
it's not hard. There's a reason that New England continues to be one of the best teams in football because they take a guy, pick him up off a free agency or out of the draft and say, hey, you're good at this thing. Go do this good thing. Matt Slater has been the best special teamer in football for the last decade. He can't catch a pass worth a damn, but guess what? He can play special teams really freaking good. Let guys do what they're good at. Go ahead, Jen. Go ahead. Okay, I think we found Gage's uh, trigger point there with that question. But uh, in a few less words, just kind of looking at who's on roster, who can step up, I'm going to choose Raven Green. Um, this is a guy who kind of in the last couple years he'll have – one or two big games, couple of big plays, but he already has a sack on the year. I think Savage being doubtful, this is a good chance for him to really step up. He He's not a bad player. He just kind of gets lost in translation out there under the big names, but I don't know. I don't have much reasoning to as to why I'm choosing him, just Savage being out. and He's a great player, I think, so I think this is a really good day for him to step up and kind of get his name out there more because we all know who Raven Green is, but we all look at him like a like a second string guy, so I think it would be it'd be good to see him go out there and do something for this defense. I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, because it's not really the original question, but I'm going to go with Kamal Martin. And he was, if you had asked anybody from camp, Andy Herman said this: who was the Packers' best rookie new player in training camp? They all would, to a man, would have said Kamal Martin. And Kamal Martin has a chance at a position the Packers aren't particularly very good at at this point in time. And to give them somebody, maybe a playmaker at a position that they haven't had one since Nick Barnett? Am I Clay Matthews when he played there in that half season? I don't know. I mean, who was just that? Hasn't... I heard that this week, people. I think it was on the Lombardi's Bar where they talked about the last good linebacker pairing they had was Barnett and A.J. Hawk. So you're, you, you and um, I think it was Matt and Dan were, you're all in the same wavelength. Yeah, Dan, Dan Krotnick loves to talk about Hawk. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> he's done it on our podcast too. AJ Hawk's his guy, so. And it's because of where he went to college, and that's fine. AJ Hawk was okay, but he was a top five pick, and certainly did not live up to that building. Billing, I love AJ. We didn't AJ even Hawk. we didn't even talk about Martin moving off IR. Yeah, so there you go, guys. There's your uh, bury the lead. Kamal Martin's off injured reserve. He might play tomorrow. <laughs> he might not. Who knows? I don't. I mean, but I'm picking him to potentially do something if he shows up because the Packers, I mean, that's just not a position. Chris Barnes has been a nice story. I don't know if he's any good. Ty Summers is a seventh-round rookie. Christian Kirksey's hurt. I mean, I just I don't know what's what to make of that position. But we have run way over on time, so I apologize for that, guys. Real quick, let's do predictions. Jen, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think I had a score prediction of, what, 34-31. I think it's going to be a shootout game. Just, just after watching uh, – Texans Titans I think it was what 42 30 42 it was I think it was 42 35 because it went 35 so it was a high scoring game I see this game being a shootout on the offense for sure I don't see either of these defenses being the big game stopper I think it'd be cool if the Packers defense stepped up but I don't see that happening as much tomorrow I think a high scoring game close game I think it's going to come down to a Mason Crosby field goal I'm not saying like a game winner to break the tie, but I think Mason Crosby will be the difference maker tomorrow for this team. Gage? Uh, I'm going to go a little lower scoring there. Uh, I'm going to go 23 to 20. Like I said earlier, I think Tampa, or I think Houston covers, but I don't, and I think Green Bay wins outright. And I also said, I think the over hits here. If this game goes how I want it to go slash how I think it'll go, I think the Green Bay is able to bottle up the offense a little bit and they keep things low scoring. And we've seen some red zone struggles this year out of Green Bay. They're one of the worst teams on the one-yard line. 
because A.J. Dillon doesn't get the ball down there, even though he's a 250-pound hammer, but that's just me. Uh, so I think that keeps a little, little lower scoring, a lot of field goals, 23-20, final score. Yeah, if you could stop, if you could stop bringing in your betting lingo, I would appreciate that. My brain just goes to scrambled eggs every time you say it. My bad. <laughs> Won't happen again. Uh, Jen said that Mason Crosby will be a difference. I say it's a Mason Crosby field goal at the buzzer. 31-28, Packers win. Big day from the running backs, big day out of the backfield. The Packers do just enough. Win ugly, if you will. Take a page out of last year's playbook and get a win. Thank you guys if you stuck around long enough to listen to us ramble for almost an hour. We appreciate your guys' time on that. We are out of time for today. Be sure to follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. You can follow Jen. Jen, where can we find your work and everything that you're doing? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Big Mac underscore four. Mac is M-A-C-K. I'm not the not the cheeseburger from McDonald's, M-A-C-K. And I also will be starting to put out some Packers and NHL content for my three NHL followers on Say It Again Network. So you can find some of my work there coming up. That's two more than I would have anticipated. So congratulations <laughs> wow, thank on Thank you. That. Thank you, Jacob, Gage, for that one. <laughs> Gage, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at GBridge for NFL. As always, I will be live tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time covering fantasy football for Game on Wisconsin. Uh, I cover, I do rankings for them. Uh, every comes out every Wednesday. I do a preview podcast and a, re, and a recap podcast comes out Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, I have work over at Rotoballer, generally three to four articles for them per week. I do some stuff for Denver Stiffs. Uh, I do a little bit of other stuff. I'm pretty busy. I wear a lot of hats. Uh, if you give me five minutes, I can talk to you about just about any sports topic there is. Yeah, the Denver you Nuggets. Hockey? <laughs> uh, you can Okay, if you give me five minutes, I can talk hockey, but I can't write about hockey yet. Uh, yeah, and Denver Nuggets are a fun team to watch, and they were willing to pay me money to write about them. So, yeah, Denver Denver Nuggets. All right, there you go. So the Denver Nuggets could certainly be something. And that was an exciting team. Uh, damn near got to the finals. So that was a... A fun little season in them, especially in the bubble. And they came back and beat the Clippers, who is a team I don't particularly care for. So I appreciated that part of it, at least. So that was a highlight of the year. Nonetheless, this is not a basketball podcast, nor is it a hockey podcast or a baseball podcast. It's a Packers podcast. You can find my stuff at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You can find me over at Game On Wisconsin uh, pretty much every and any day at Game On WI on Twitter. And I write an article every week for Packer Report at Packer Report 66. Guys, it's game day. Go grab a beer. Sit down, sit back, relax, and strap it down. Enjoy a little bit of Packers football as a big win over the Houston Texans is coming. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.